Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into Basketball by Association. Arky Shea is me. Joel Cordes is he. Joel, what's up, brother? Episode 39 of Basketball by Association. And of course, we are on the Brawl Network. Want to thank the good folks over there for bringing us aboard recently. Hopefully, we're doing you proud. And uh, we're going to do episode 39, making it the Greg Ostertag Memorial Edition. He wore the number 39, not during his glory years with the Utah Jazz, if there ever was such a thing, not during the, the years to the finals. But a couple of years after that, the number was switched in 2000 and 2001. And like last week, the Kwame Brown episode, there were kind of slim pickings. This week, not quite as slim. We could have gone Jeremy Grant when he was in Philadelphia, respectable player. Mm-hmm. Dwight Howard wore 39 this past year, but I don't want to get into that. Um, and could have gone with Tom Tolbert, very obscure, back with the Charlotte Hornets in 95. But no, we got to go big Greg Ostertag from the Utah Jazz. Insert jokes here. Oh, we can go with Ostertag. I don't have a huge issue with Greg Ostertag. Do you? Like, do you have some beef? Uh, I just have some beef because I was always rooting for whoever was playing the Bulls. And, you know, he just, he didn't have much impact. Greg Ostertag was kind of one of those classic 80s, 90s centers who wasn't quite a stiff, but was awfully close. Like, he'd grab a couple of rebounds. He might block a shot here or there, but... If you asked him to do anything more than that, you were in big, big trouble. And yet a lot of those guys were logging, you know, 30 plus minutes a game because it was a center's league and you needed those big bodies to throw at everybody. And of course the Jazz, you know, they were playing through Malone and Stockton and Hornacek and Byron Russell and those guys. But Ostertag was just kind of there. He was there all the time. (laughs) And it it just kind of grated on you after a while. Like, come on, man, you got to do more than that. They need you. Somebody's got to beat the Bulls. And let me ask you, uh, as a a matter of personal preference, do you miss the centers being such a important part of the league? Yeah. I, I miss watching the ball play through the post as it did. There was certainly beauty to that, but when you go back and you watch the older games and the pace and everything else, that's just trudging in the mud, and the lack of ball movement, that I don't miss. 
And we do, and we've talked about this before, and a lot of other people have too. There are lots of really good elite centers in the league today, whether it's Jokic or Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid. Like, you can go eight, nine guys in the league that are really, really good and have the potential to be Hall of Famers. If you look back even at the glory days, you know, we'll call the 90s the glory days and maybe the late 80s there too, you really still only had eight or nine guys that turned out to be in the Hall of Fame. Most of the other teams were just trotting out big bodies like Greg Ostertag because he had to do something, but they certainly weren't all-stars. So I don't think the talent level actually has shifted as much as we consider it. Um, it's just it's not the absolute focal point in the post because your centers now have to be stretchy and play all over the floor wherever possible. But I will say this. It is one of the reasons why I love watching Joel Embiid. I know he's got flaws, but he is a guy that does play out of the post. He wants to be in the post um, and the footwork that's there. Carl Anthony Towns can do that too, but I think he'd rather face up. Jokic, you know, kind of brings that Sabonis level game. It's not quite the same. He'll, he'll do some stuff on the block, but Embiid is probably the closest we got to one of those throwback centers in, in every positive way. Yeah, I think, um, I, I guess the thing that I forget about is that, that there was a great center era um, for actually a, a long period of time that there were a bunch of great centers happening in the NBA. I just don't think we got the dudes right now to be able to call it like a great center era. Like you could, you could say, you could say tomorrow we're going to go and make this back into a center driven basketball league. And I think you'd struggle for a while to be able to find dudes who could do that. See, and I, I disagree a little bit. Do we have a guy that you could take today and put him back and say, all right, you are going to give Shaq an absolute run for his money. Probably not. Do we have somebody who could give Hakeem an absolute run for his money night in and night out? No, but we've got plenty of guys who would be very competitive. And I think that second tier of centers, I would take Carl Anthony Towns or Embiid or Jokic uh, and throw them back there and say, you're going to do fine against Mutombo and David Robinson and Patrick Ewing and Alonzo Mourning. Like I would do that with a straight face. And I think again, the rule changes and whatever, um, if you're going to take somebody and throw them back in time, then you've got to make the rules fair that they grew up in that era and were playing in that era and, and adjusted the same way that if you took David Robinson or Ewing today and said, oh, could he play in the modern era? Well, yeah, he would have been trained in the modern era too. Had the same sandwiches in the modern era. Enjoyed the same luxuries of the modern And also, as you said, like you, you would have – your bo- your body type would have been different for a lot of these dudes. Like you would have trained differently to be a part of these type of teams right. than you would have to have been, you know, just stick your butt down low and, and let's let's beat some people up. Yeah, and, and I agree with you saying that maybe today we don't have like an all-time great top five center running around. Maybe we do, and maybe we'll know that by the time some of these younger guys' careers are done. They got a long ways to go. Um, Shaq and Hakeem are all-time top five centers. Um, the other guys are all-time greats, um, but they're still not in that that really top upper echelon. But I, I think today's top guys could could hang for sure in that center-driven league, and and they would have held their own against Hakeem and Shaq. They just wouldn't have, you know, gone toe to toe. Those are still the, some of the cream of the crop in the entire history of the NBA. 
Well, let's talk about someone who is an elite center right now, and it's James Harden. James <laughs> Harden uh, is uh, a big elite center of the universe, or <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the center of all things being for him. Uh, James Harden being is a huge fan of being part of the Rockets right now. In fact, uh, just reported, I think, like seven seconds ago, uh, to be part of their uh, their preseason training. But, you know, when he's not out gallivanting uh, with rappers and, uh, and booty dancers and, and enjoying his life off the court, uh, he's remembering that now he has to come back and test, I think, negative for six straight days just to be a part of the team um, for, for on-the-court practices. As you guys have seen, we've started to have preseason games come back. But what do you think of James Harden's uh, open, open want to be outside of Houston and do you think Houston's hand gets forced that they're going to have to move him shortly? Horrible segue aside. I just got to throw that out there. <laughs> I mean, we were talking to Keem. You should have said, speaking of Houston Rockets, players, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm hating. Um, I, I don't think Houston's hand will be forced. They've already kind of drawn that line in the sand. And if their hand was being forced, they would have moved him already when they moved Russell Westbrook. Um, as we've talked about in weeks past, Westbrook was really the problematic one where you had to do something because that contract is a ticking time bomb. You don't want to disgruntle Russell Westbrook on your team. And so you do the classic change of scenery trade for John Wall. And you know that you're bringing in DeMarcus Cousins and you see if something's there. They looked pretty good in their first uh, preseason run together. They're both really happy to be playing together again. There's some positive vibes with that. Other guys who are around them are picking up on that. And you might have something salvageable. I mean, Houston, even without James Harden, if Wall and Cousins stay healthy, which is such a monumental if, but if they stay healthy and if Christian Wood turns out to be what we think he can be, that still could be a playoff team and just have much better vibes around it. If James Harden comes back and is professional and realizes that if your end game is to get yourself out of Houston to a contender, the best way to do that is to play up your value, not to sit and sulk, but to come in, be the good soldier, you know, adjust your game a little bit because it ain't Mike D'Antoni's Rockets anymore. Prove that you can play versatile because I think the big question mark that's going to be out there is, like with Mike D'Antoni, where we were going, man, can he coach anywhere else? And can another coach come in and play and coach this Houston Rockets team, or at least the, the previous iteration of it, that was built so specifically? There's going to be some similar questions around Harden going, can he play in a system where he might not be the number one banana every single night, almost every single play, and playing at that up-tempo pace? Like, so he's got to come in and he's got to, he's got to play well for Silas. He's got to answer some of those questions because I think that opens the door to other contenders going, yeah, man, maybe it is worth it to get rid of our second best player. If we can get James Harden or somebody else to, you know, bring in that, that King's ransom type of deal that Houston is holding out for. But if you sulk, if you, you know, are just an absolute negative, uh, Minus, and I know that's a that's a double negative right there. But if you're just sucking the life out of your team either by not playing or the way you're playing, you think of kind of Carmelo Anthony's exits when they got really ugly in a couple places. If you go that route, it's actually going to make it harder for you to get where you want to go, whether that's Philadelphia or Brooklyn or wherever. 
But do you don't you think that with a brand new coach and sort of a brand new look at life and philosophy that uh, Houston's trying to go with, that if you do have a guy that's going to come over and be a malcontent and he's a star, he's a super superstar basketball player. That those guys tend to, if they really want out, get their way out. They may not get to go where they want to go, but they do get out more times than not. Don't you think this would be a case because Houston wants to start on such a fresh foot that it really wouldn't want a bad apple like that trying to spoil the bunch? I, I agree with that completely. I think there's a 95% chance that Harden does not finish well, let me say this. Does either doesn't finish the season with the Rockets or is moved immediately after this current season is done, depending on how things go. It depends really on how hard of a line Houston wants to draw. But you're right. He will get his way. If he truly wants to leave, he'll leave. There's always that 5% chance that he comes back, plays well, everybody else plays well around him, and they find something, and he goes, you know what? This isn't so bad and changes his mind. That has happened before, uh, but you're right that it's unlikely. I'm just saying that you you know that you're probably going to get your way, but do you want to get your way in the path of least resistance or the one that just creates su- such a negative cloud around you that it actually turns out to be harder and more miserable both for you and the team, and it potentially creates baggage, bad karma, whatever you want to call it, that follows you to the next stage. Mm-hmm. Again, Carmelo Anthony's a perfect example with that. Dwight Howard and his many sojourns, perfect example of that. But there's other guys who have demanded trades, gotten their way out, and it didn't have to be such a negative thing. Like Paul George, for example, as much negative publicity as he gets um, and, and his leaving Indiana wasn't great, but when he got to Oklahoma City, they had an understanding, right? And he came in, he gave it a fair shot with Russell Westbrook for two years. He was not negative in any way about it, even though OKC was maybe not his first destination where he wanted to go, but he gave them two years of playing hard. They made the playoffs both years, and he wound up getting moved to where he wanted to go, which was the Clippers. You want your front office on your side, working for you, not going, this guy's being such a jackass, we got to get rid of him. No, that doesn't help you. No, it, it doesn't, but it's just, it's the strategy that if you really, really wanted to sort of push this, like, I feel like if you're, if you talk to your agent, they would most likely tell you, don't handle this outside. Just, just, just be it, just be a jackass. Like you said, just, just be that dude and just force their hand because they're probably wanting to get rid of you anyway. And they're probably talking about places to move you anyway. So let's just go ahead and just push this thing further and, and, uh, quicker than, uh, hopefully we can, uh, get this thing done soon. There, there are different ways to do it. You're right. right. And there are different ways that have worked. I guess my, my philosophy on it is when you look at players and coaches, their job within the organization is to play up that player's value. A player works in the NBA to make as much money as possible while they are there. That's their job. And yes, you want to win games because that will help more often than not. Um, but you want to make as much money as possible. So how do you play up your value? Yes, there's a time to dig in your feet, dig in your feet and say, we got to go and you got to make this happen. But if things are amicable before that, don't burn bridges that you may still have to cross, right? 
That's fair. That's fair. Uh, let's look at some stuff that's happened over uh, the weekend for uh, some basketball's sake. Because, yeah, that's right. Some live-action basketball is happening in hometowns where these teams are actually from and play. With real, live, fake human audiences and crowd noise jumped in, right? It, isn't that what we wanted, really, the whole time? Like, no. we wanted the fake crowd noise and stuff, but we wanted it in, like, Charlotte, and we wanted, <laughs> we, I want it to feel like I'm watching myself play NBA 2K. You know, it's like a, it's like a slow reintroduction into basketball. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it, it kind of is. And again, we say this tongue in cheek. We know that for very good safety reasons, why we're doing what we're doing right now. But it, it will be nice. It will be nice someday, and I think we're going to appreciate it that much more, at least for a couple of years before it's out of our memory. Um, we're going to appreciate it so much more when you do get to see live fans in the stands again and you actually get that home court advantage. I, I really, you don't know what you got till it's gone, right? Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. And uh, we got a good chunk of that over the last uh, eight or nine months of, of this uh, calendar year so far, but uh, a couple of rookies that have uh, sort of stood out in some uh, interesting play uh, in the first uh, couple of nights of uh, preseason action. Uh, one of those is LaMelo Ball, who uh, for Charlotte took on the Raptors and win or lost doesn't matter a whole heck of a lot. They did lose that uh, matchup against Toronto, but he played 16 minutes, had zero points on five shots, but had 10 rebounds and four assists uh, was minus one on the court. But then again, preseason about 75 people show up on the court so it's it's a little more difficult to sort of get a pure read on the plus minus there but Lamelo ball while he was on i did do a few nice things for his first outing with charlotte yeah did he look like he belonged which is always the the first eye test you want to see out of a rookie there are certain guys that get on get onto an nba court and you go ooh, <laughs> ooh, man this kid's over his head. And sometimes it takes them a few years to figure it out. Sometimes they don't, and they're out of the league within a, a couple of years. Ball looked like he belonged, right? He was able to move at the pace of the game. He was able to get out there and make plays. It was really inspiring to see how hard he was crashing the boards. That's one of his brother Lonzo's best traits, too, as, as a defensive rebounding guard, almost in that Jason Kidd style, where Kidd was always – everywhere chasing down rebounds that's why it was such a walking triple double like both of the ball brothers have that nose to go get it you, you even saw you saw lamello a couple times steal a rebound from teammates who were like in position and he'll, he'll have to learn that but um it, his teammates have been raving about the joy that he's been playing with through practice and that quote has struck me because yeah everybody talks up their rookies but that wasn't something that people were saying about Ball when he was overseas, whether it was in Australia or Lithuania. Nobody was necessarily saying that he was a bad teammate. He got kind of, you know, the ball hog moniker a couple of times. But nobody said he was a bad teammate. But in Charlotte, everyone was like, yeah, he's asking questions. He's, he's just out there. He's so happy to be out there. It's infectious. And you wonder if whether it's a maturity thing, whether it's seeing a dream realized, I honestly do think that with all the skill ball has, and we saw that with the passing ability and all that, I think that joy he's going to have to bring as a bench guy all year long. Cause he's got a couple of other younger players ahead of him who are a little more established and Terry Rozier and, and Dante Graham and, and Devante Graham, excuse me. He, he's got a, he's got to push those guys for a starting spot, but that may not happen this year. And you saw the shooting struggles. 
Um, he's not always going to have these open lanes, especially when players just start diving off of him and daring him to shoot because he's going to get the Rajon Rondo treatment in the regular season when teams are scheming for him now, not when you're out, like you said, against 75 other different players. <laughs> right. There's no real game plan. So it's going to get tougher. But if he can get those rebounds, compete on the defensive end. He's not going to be a good defender, but just compete on that end and don't lose focus. And then get out and start your fast breaks that way and get your points. He can be effective, and he's just going to have to find that and understand that, like, be that joy bringer, be that spark bringer to your bench, and then keep working on your game because that shot is going to have to come. But like with, you know, Brother Lonzo, it took a year or two, and once it does come, you're going to be that much more effective. And, I mean, yeah, he looked fluid. He looked – there was a lot to build on there. Yeah, reminder, uh, these guys were drafted less than a month ago. Right. Um, and there's been no summer league. This They're trying to do this and fit it on a team – with about a third of the time to do it as normal uh, during during an offseason. So very, uh, very nice to see that sort of start out. Also nice for uh, someone I told uh, you to pay attention to, Isaac Okoro, uh, who ended up hitting the game winner against Indiana and a part of a monster fourth quarter for uh, Cleveland and for him, in which he uh, scored 18 or 16 of his 18, I think, in the fourth quarter, including that game winner, plus an extra free throw for the fun uh, as Cleveland beats Indiana. A preview of the NBA East. Eastern Conference Finals, I'll, I'll say. Um, <laughs> but outside, not. <laughs> hopefully not. Outside of that, though, now this is a little bit different. A case where Cleveland put Isaac on the court for thirty-three minutes. Man, they they actually they wanted to see how far and how much he could go, uh, and uh, he went a lot, plus thirteen on the night too. So a good debut for Isaac Okoro with the Cavaliers. Yeah, and like. Um, well, I shouldn't say like, we'll, we'll get to the comparison with Charlotte in a minute, but I think the 33 minutes, some of that had to do with the fact that Colin Sexton was out and Kevin Porter Jr. was out as well. Those are two guys who are definitely going to be in that backcourt mix and a core is going to have to fight them for minutes. It was interesting that in order to preserve Darius Garland's role at the shooting guard spot, a nominally came out and played point guard. Not that that meant a whole lot, but he was guarding the ones when he was out there. And again, Okoro looked like he belonged. Um, one of the biggest assets that Okoro had coming into draft night was the fact that he absolutely has an NBA body already. Like He looks like an NBA starting small forward. That doesn't always mean everything. There's lots of guys who come in, have a really good physique already, a good build, good athleticism, and they just don't put it all together. But it was certainly something for Okoro to build on. In the Cleveland game, he got hot. He got into a rhythm in the fourth quarter when he got comfortable. Uh, coaches and teammates were talking about that, how they had been kind of getting on him through the first three quarters, like, man, you got to shoot when you're open. you got to be aggressive, all those cliches. But it's absolutely the truth because you get yourself into a rhythm. And once he got that, it was really nice. Now, is he going to be a focal point for them? No. Um, but can he turn himself into an effective 3 and D player right away? I think so. And for me, when I look at Okoro – I look at what OG Ananobi has been doing in Toronto. Um, now, Ananobi kind of had his early goings truncated by some injury. But when you watch him play, he makes impact in a bunch of different little ways. And he's a blossoming offensive player that every single year and almost quarterly throughout the season, it seems, his role continues to grow just a little bit more, and I think that's where Okoro can go. The comparison I wanted to make with Cleveland and Charlotte 
is that for the last couple of years, you could absolutely make the case that both of those teams were absolutely talent deficient because they were in the middle of rebuilds. They had had some missteps and guys that they brought in. Charlotte watching them play the other night, you can't really say that. Like, yeah, their bench is a work in progress, but there's talent on that team. There's a lot of young players that are going to figure stuff out, but they've got something to work with. And I feel the same way about Cleveland now as well. Granted, some of that talent up front, like we talked about, I think, uh, two weeks ago with our Eastern Conference preview, some of that up front talent with DeAndre, uh, or excuse me, with Andre Drummond and with Kevin Love is kind of the wrong timeline with that younger team, and you wonder how it fits. But there's at least an NBA roster there now. And Charlotte was actually fun to watch, which is the first time I can say that in a while. And Cleveland wasn't terrible to watch, which is the first time I can say that in a while. Yeah, that uh, that Colin Six and Isaac Okoro, Alabama Auburn. Ooh, that <clears throat> that that could be a real interesting watch. Not for a great team this year, but like if they're going to be on one of your uh, semi or national games, and they're going to go against maybe the team you're actually wanting to watch this year, um, I don't think you're going to be bored. I'll put it yeah. that way. Yeah, I, absolutely. Like I, I don't think that's a game that you you avoid anymore. I think especially during the early season. It's worth checking out. Now, again, sometimes with these young teams, you get in and you suddenly are on pace to only win 15 games and the bottom falls out and you become unwatchable really fast. But during the early goings, to me, that's always what I've loved about the NBA season at the very start is anything can happen for all 30 teams. And it's definitely uh, with maybe a little bit of an exception here or there, but almost always like all 30 teams are worth checking out during the first couple months. Cleveland and Charlotte doing it good through the draft. You guys can do so with the daily fantasy draft with DraftKings, Joel, can't they? They can. And, of course, uh, football is is wrapping up, but your shot at millions has not wrapped up. Thanks to our partnership with the Brawl Network and uh, Basketball by Associations with DraftKings, all new players can play free for millions with your first deposit. So here's how it works. Create your DraftKings DFS account and make a deposit. DraftKings credits your account with free entry to these contests. Then you draft your lineup and go for millions in top prizes. And there's so many different ways to play at DraftKings. Find the one that works for you. Just make sure you go to dkng.co and slash brawlpod to play. That's the uh, special code that shows the love between Brawl Network and DraftKings. So that's dkng.co slash brawlpod. Act quickly. This offer won't be around forever. It is a minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. Joel, I wanted to ask you about uh, the NBA getting a little tough on a couple of rules that I'm a little surprised that they actually are going to get tough on uh, for this year. And uh, it was reported by Chris Haynes that the NBA is now implementing a new resting policy for the upcoming season where teams – if they have healthy players for a high-profile nationally televised game, they are prohibited from resting those healthy players, and a violation could result in a fine of at least $100,000. You know, there's been so much discussion, Joel, about these healthy sits and so on and so forth in the national games and how much value you could lose if you sit a LeBron or whoever, really, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, whatever. When you're playing with injuries, it's always an interesting um, an interesting battle and an interesting way to work around some things. So 
Thoughts on the NBA trying to go after healthy rests, especially for high-profile nationally televised games? I was very surprised by that as well. Um, it seems counterintuitive when you've got COVID swirling around everything you do, and you also have these big-name players, especially those that participated in the semifinals all the way through the NBA finals that just got done like six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, that seems counterproductive. But so much of this rests on the fact that you can't have fans in the stands and teams this year, especially some of the smaller market ones or those with owners who are cash strapped. They're really, really sensitive to the fact and the TV stations are really sensitive to the fact that you got to make your money somehow. The TV deal, um, they have to preserve that. They have to stay in good graces with each other. And you got that TV deal because of your league talent. So I think we will see workarounds. Really, the way that I read this is like, hey, if you know that you're coming up on a TNT Tuesday night game against the Lakers, I don't care. Play your guys. But if the next night or two nights from now, you got to go to Cleveland and play the Cavaliers and it's not nationally televised, make that your rest game. Like you got to pick and choose. And, and that I think is understandable that the team's got to play ball. If you're going to be on national TV on these big games that the networks have paid a ton of money for and you need to keep that TV deal going, then yes, you got to put your best product out there regardless of whether it's like, hey, I'd love to rest this guy. It said, no, rejigger your rejigger your uh, rest schedule and your rest plans, whether it's load management or getting somebody ready for the playoffs or, you know, that nagging injury sort of thing, we got to work around the TV deal for now. And it's just the nature of the beast. I don't think we'd be seeing this if you had uh, gate receipts coming in this year. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting. I had a bunch of thoughts about this when I first was reading it. One um, very clearly, which is uh, the easy workaround is, Oh, uh, I got a little bit of a banged up knee. You know, <laughs> like if you there really, will always be that. Yep, absolutely. If you really wanted to rest a dude, you can figure out a way to rest a dude. Like if you're like LeBron James, for example, Dude's a hundred, okay, and he's played a million extra games. Like, of course, that dude can find a way to rest if he really wants the day to rest. Um, this I had so many like anti this doesn't make sense rules because I'm always of the Greg Popovich side too, which is like let great coaches coach how they need to. You have 82 games. Like sometimes you just need to figure out your guy's health and stretch it out one way or the other. Like these dudes know what they're doing. They're still trying to win games. No one's trying to deprive people of money. They're just trying to win games. Here, here's the difference though, between the optics of rest versus, Oh, he, you know, his knee is dinged up or whatever. When you've got that guy with that dinged up knee, whether it's legit or not, he's typically on the bench, either in street clothes or suited up at the end of the roster, depending on how banged up the rest of the roster is that night. Um, but what was happening with a lot of those rest games is guys were being given the entire day off. Like they didn't even have to show up that night. And I think that is what the league really wants to cut down on. And then, yeah, these like strategic rests where I mean, Greg Popovich, I will say this, as much of a genius as he was at coaching, he had taken the rest thing too far. <laughs> he, was, he was strategically resting guys against certain opponents that he knew he was going to play later in the year, and he didn't want them to see 
those players and certain schemes at that time of year yet. And that's what he was doing. And to me, when somebody has paid their money, whether it be the television networks or whether it be the family, you know, who's dropping 200 bucks to go to a game, like at some point there is that merging of we got to win games, but people also paid to come see players play. Well, this is why I think this year makes it like, I think the NBA's wanted to do this for a while, but I think this year has been a perfect opportunity to sort of push that over and make the Greg Popovich rule because now you have anytime you get any pushback from it, you can go to your coaches and say, you guys enjoy making all this money. Well, the way we do it is from TV. And so since we can't put our product in front of fans and just say, hey, gate receipts, that'll help. Um, We have to make good as much as possible with those dudes because they're hurting too. And they're probably looking for any reason to opt out of a current mega deal and lower that deal as much as possible. So the the TV networks have to make money, right? We have to give them a product and keep ratings up. We have to give them every opportunity to get their values worth so they continue to give us money. So stop sitting your dudes for rest, especially for these high profile games. Like if you're just going to be on. Fox Sports Chicago or something, that's fine or whatever. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to be on TNT or if you're going to be, heaven forbid, the ABC game on Saturday, don't, don't, please don't sit dudes for Christmas games, you know, things like that. Like, unless you guys are just legitimately broken. So I had huge issues uh, at first with it. And I sort of see why it gets done. But I just feel like that workaround is anytime you want it, it's there. And that's what feels like there's a lack of teeth to it is that, if you really want this, this has to be done in good faith. That's it. You just have to trust everyone that they're going to do this in good faith. Yeah. And it's, it's a letter of the law versus spirit of the law, right? You can enforce this letter of the law and hope that people get the spirit as they go. uh, Because the next, the next iteration of it would be that the league would have to start handling, judging whether guys can play or not. And they would have to start fielding the medical personnel or some sort of, uh, you know, official who's checking up on what the team doctors are doing. Now they do that to a little bit of an extent with like random drug tests and stuff like that, but you'd have to be doing random physicals with guys. And that opens up this entire can of worms that I'm sure the owners don't want to go for. So you're right. Some people will abuse it. They'll stretch it. But I think what you're trying to do is cut down the absolute overt abuse and just tell everybody, you know, again, get behind the spirit of the law here and play them when you can. Uh, would you like to take a guess at how many or which team has the most national TV games for the season currently scheduled? It's got to be the Lakers, right? That's the right. The Lakers have 16 national TV games for the 2021 se- 2020-2021 season. Uh, but there are four teams tied for the second most. Uh, one definitely, well, one might surprise you. But you can see why. Let me see if you can get a chance if you can get these four teams for the second most national TV games. Okay, so there's four in addition to the Lakers. There's four that have 14. The Lakers have 16. There are four that have 14. All right, so the Clippers have to be one. The Clippers have 11. Really? That's right. So they're not even tied? Nope. Wow, okay. So I'm off to a horrible start here. (laughs) Um, Would the Pelicans be on there because of Zion? The Pelicans are one of the four teams, yes. Um, does Miami get it because they're the, they're defending Eastern Conference champs? The Heat have ten games. Wow, 
now you've you've rattled my confidence. Every, everything I thought I knew is just thrown out the window. Okay, Dallas is on there. That's right. Well, and, the Mavericks was the one I thought you might find uh, be a little surprising to be up there, but uh, I understand, we can see why with Luca. Yes, they are one one of the teams of fourteen. There are two uh, other yeah, ones. If I was on there, then Luca's got to be on there. Golden State. Do they uh, get it coming back already? The Warriors do have 14 as well. There's one other team. It's a very national, very, very, very national brand. Very, very, very NBA. All right. So it's not Milwaukee. It's The Bucks have 12. Okay. Uh, poor Giannis. Um, the Boston Celtics? That's right. The Celtics have 14. So the Celtics, Mavs, Pelicans, and Warriors each have the second most amount of national TV games. The Nets have 13, by the way. Um, we're going to get to somebody from that team coming up uh, in just a moment. But uh, just below all of that, the Knicks. With how many? <laughs> <laughs> they have one. Hey, you know, I should say this. The Knicks uh, are undefeated in your uh, preseason league, sir. So how about that? And as you, you love to remind us, they were the last team to win pre-bubble. Pre, so that's they, were, right. they were the champions of the pre-bubble season in some weird alternate universe. Joel, hang the damn banner. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's getting really drafty up there. They should they should just do it just for safety reasons, uh, just to keep things uh, warm up. I there. will hang the banner. It's going to be the size of a postcard, but I will hang the banner. <laughs> All right. At least it'll help. You know. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, by the way, uh, one other note I want to get to before we get over to the uh, to the uh, to the Kyrie stuff. Um, uh, that the Mavs uh, are going to release J.J. Berea. Actually, already did release J.J. Berea. Um, we talked about how he was one of the um, additions for, uh, for Dallas. But Mark Cuban signed him basically as a uh, thank you deal. Uh, for a one-year, two-and-a-half-million-dollar deal uh, last or the week before last. Uh, and so this was a reward thank-you deal for his 11 years with the Mavs. He's uh, Berea is 36 uh, years old, but uh, how about Mark Cuban giving him a thank-you-for-all-your-time uh, deal? Yeah, and he's, he's done that, Cuban has, um, or things like that for a lot of guys who have um, you know put in their years with Dallas and been part of that culture. And, and obviously Dirk Nowitzki is the big one. 
Um, Cuban has said that he certainly envisions a role for uh, Berea within the organization if he wants it. That's still undefined. Part of signing him was also to make sure, like you said, that he got money for a year. So it was a little bit of a like a Christmas bonus, I guess. Um, but then releasing him already was so that if he can find a deal with somebody else, which I kind of doubt is going to happen, um, but if he could find a deal with somebody, he could do that. Or if he chooses to go back and play overseas for a season or two, he, he has the freedom to do such a thing. Um, but Berea, over the last couple of years, he had given them a you know pr- productive minutes here or there, but really had been transitioning into kind of a player-coach type of role anyway, one of those good guys that you want in your locker room. Um, but I will say this, like there are very few bench guys that have had such a long run with one team and so many like productive big time moments. Usually bench guys are the ones that kind of come and go and play for four or five different organizations during their career. Berea did have a little bit of a sojourn where he took the money and went to Minnesota for a couple seasons before coming back to Dallas. But it is a tribute to, I guess, not only his uh, production on the court, but the intangibles and just the relationship he had with the organization and vice versa that you're able to pull that off. Yeah. And you got to like Mark Cuban. Uh, I mean, and Mark Cuban doesn't have to do these kind of things. No owner really has to, but Mark Cuban's always sort of been good to the people who, who he's been, who've been good to him. And he's obviously seen value in a lot of people over the years uh, and just wanted to, you know, he gave him the deal. He's going to get the two and a half million. And as you said, he's also uh, got the chance to be released in enough time to where he could try to hopefully, because he wants to, JJ Burr still wants to play. Yeah, which which all of that, which you said is true, but it just makes it so much weirder that free agents seemingly never want to sign in Dallas. Like how many big name guys have they tried to get over the last few seasons? And they seem to whiff constantly. Most of the big names that Dallas has cycled through dating all the way back to the beginning of the Dirk Nowitzki era was via trade. Um, Free agent signings have been few and far between when it comes to like upper echelon you know, even near all-star players for the Mavs. Dallas, uh, Dallas may whiff on free agents, but uh, when you get a whiff of your downstairs region, uh, Joel, you know what you want the smell to be. Nice and good, and it can be thanks to Manscaped, uh, where uh, when it comes to men's hygiene, Manscaped, my friend, this is good and safe. As J.J. Berea's bank account right now, brother, look at that, $2.5 million. Uh, well, we can't give you that uh, thanks to this deal, but we can tell you about how right now the Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of the ceramic blade and skin safe, that's trademark technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. That's right. Nicks and snags around your sack. Not what you want, Joel. It's the party. Always talking about the Knicks. Always talking. He did it again. Always talking about the Knicks. This time, you don't want the Knicks around. Uh, this is the perfect protection and perfect for y'all. Peter Meat. Uh, the Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof. Important, by the way, because you know you're going to be around electricity and water and all. Uh, it has an LED light on it in case you can't find your pain. We've all been there. We've all been there. Let's let's trim back the yard. Let's trim back the yard around your pole, okay, buddy? 
Is this still a PG rated show or oh, crossed yes. no. cross over no. into a different abyss here? But phenomenal live read. Phenomenal. Yeah. They just they just also now released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to your lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. No one likes an ungroomed set of feet and nails and fingers as well. So get after those bad boys too. They have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. What am I doing here? The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved lawnmower performance, boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done with this COVID quarantine crap. And some other liquid formulations like how about the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver? If you don't know what the Crop Preserver is, by the way, it's anti-chafing ball deodorant, bro. Come on now. And the Crop Reviver, it's a spray-on toner for your nutsack. Anyway, for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value. That's going to be free, 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 free right now. And the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Come on, y'all. 20% off and free shipping with the code BRAWL at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping as well at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code Brawl, B-R-A-W-L. It's time to give your testies the absolute besties with Manscaped. Manscaped, did, did you just find your new spokes, spokesperson? Because <laughs> you, you might have, like, find this man today. Speaking of testies, Kyrie Irving uh, has oh. been quite the... Uh, the, the uh, you and uh, your segues today. <laughs> it's been quite the, uh, the testicle the last uh, little bit. Uh, in fact, uh, so Kyrie Irving, if you've missed the story, has been refusing to talk to media um, as is required. So the NBA slapped him with a big old fine, $25,000, and the Nets as well, for the failure to comply with the league's media rules. And then Kyrie Irving uh, said, uh, I think it was on his, was it on his Instagram uh, that he put out a, a, a release, which is just a worded statement, which looks like he just read the queen's gambit or something. Uh, because he said, I do not talk to pawns. My attention is worth more. That's part of what he wrote. Uh, but um, <laughs> Joel, we've talked about this dude ad nauseum about him being just, uh, just a headache sometimes for a lot of people. He's definitely different. Uh, and dealing with Kyrie Irving is very different than dealing with anybody else uh, in the league. Uh, thoughts on Kyrie's uh, latest. Uh, I do. I do not talk to pawns. My attention is worth more. So let me preface all of this by saying when the Nets brought in Durant and Irving together, everybody said, Oh, this is such a contender. And I said, well, we've seen the Nets kind of do this before. Back in the day, whether it was bringing in KG and Paul Pierce to go with Theron Williams and Brooke, young Brooke Lopez and Joe Johnson and Andre Kirilenko, and it just didn't work out. But you can hearken back. They've always had talent when it was in New Jersey even. And I'm starting to get major, major, major vibes during my upbringing of remembering the Kenny Anderson, Derek Coleman nets, which just couldn't get out of their own way when it was the stuff that they would say or – in Coleman's case, the griping on the court and that sort of thing. And it was just always such a distraction, such talented players. And the team could have been so much more. And it was just this implosion because it was always about Kenny Anderson. It was always about Derek Coleman. And to their credit, both of those guys, as they got older, kind of moved past that phase and became 
very, very good teammates. And, and very produ- and they were productive even when they were a little bit ahead cases too. But I'm just having such deja vu when it comes to the Nets and now what's going on with Kyrie. But let me also say this. I've always towed the middle ground when it comes to this sort of media-driven hysteria. Kyrie Irving absolutely is allowed to say, I'm going to talk to the media through press releases instead of talking in person. Technically, he's allowed to do that. And technically, the NBA allow, is allowed to find him then because of that. <laughs> and if that's, if that's the, the route you want to take, you know what? Kyrie's a grown man. He can make that decision. His bank account uh, okay, is going to be okay, Jill, hundreds of thousands of dollars less. But if he's saying this money is going to charity anyway, and this is my way to give it to charity while still getting what I want, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and create some sort of like fake hysteria and indignation at it, even though I disagree with that approach. And I think it's self-serving and it's distracting and it's going to make things worse, not better, which we've seen Kyrie Irving do. In the end, if that's what he chooses to do, he has a right to do it. He has his reasons for doing it. And the NBA has a right to continuously dip into his pocketbook. Yeah, we just talked about the NBA, how uh, they're trying to get people to, uh, you know, show up and play on TV so that people can actually, you know, uh, get their money's worth, mainly TV. Um, In this same Instagram post, I should remind you, he said, so stop stop distracting me and my team and appreciate the art. We move different over here. Um, <laughs> Listen, I, I get what you're saying. Like he could do this, but the NBA is finding him and finding him hard because right. they're, they're basically saying, "Dude, it, it, what are you doing? It's just what so, we always required you to do. Why are you be- fine? But you have to show up and talk to people because that's how we get money. It's part of the job, right? Yeah. It, part of your job is to also be a spokesperson for the team." Um, especially when you are one of the star players, you are a face of the team. So it is part of the job. That's why they have the rules written in there. So you are absolutely right. But when you get into these really complicated issues, you know that on the other side, somebody has their perspective and in their mind, they're 100% justified for the reasons that they're doing. Kyrie Irving has said some very questionable things over the last few seasons. He's also said some fairly innocuous things that people have twisted and used for their own purposes to just drive clicks. And he may be at that point in his career where he's just sick of that. Different guys have had it. I can remember, you know, back uh, when I first started covering the Minnesota Timberwolves during the final days of Kevin Garnett, he just flat out stopped talking to the local media. He would still show up and he would do the national press conference stuff, and the rules weren't quite what they were then back in you know, 2005, 2006. But he just flat out stopped talking because he was just done. He was ready to leave. He was still professional, but he was ready to be gone. And he had checked out from that part of things. So I get it. Um, I'm not trying to defend Kyrie, but it's mm-hmm. always important. But it's always important to put yourself in that other person's shoes, right? Even if you don't get it. And I, like I said before, it is self-serving. And if you go, oh, you, the media, are being such a distraction. So here, let me amp this up to 11 while I be a distraction. That's where the common sense part comes in. Like, dude, you are creating a firestorm that's not going to go away now. 
until one side gives. So is this really about you not, you know, wanting to follow through and not wanting to talk to the media because you feel like you've been burned? And so you're going to release these press statements so that they, quote unquote, can't twist them or by calling them pawns. And doing this, are you trying to get into a chicken contest with both the media and the NBA to see who wins? Like, that will not be productive for your team. Because here's the thing, Kyrie, it's not just about you. Now that you've decided to do this, what do you think the media is going to be asking your teammates about every single freaking day for months now. And oh, by the way, you play in the New York metropolitan area, which last time I checked has the most ridiculous media coverage you could imagine. And you wanted to go there. You wanted to go into that. The New York media is not going to give up on this. You chose to be in that spot with, with your bro, Kevin Durant. That's your prerogative. But dude, what do you expect? Joel, I literally, before we started recording, read a story that was getting a quote from a former teammate in Kevin Love, who doesn't play on his team. Of course, his teammate's going to get asked about it. Like, it's just... Right, so you've passed off this seeming, (laughs) I don't want a distraction. You've passed that burden off to your teammates. That kind of sounds like the me first attitude that wore out some, you know, some people's welcome in Cleveland and then Boston, too. That's where... Again, on the one perspective, I see where Kyrie's coming from. And like I said, it is his prerogative if he's truly feeling that way. But the way you're handling it, and again, the little digs that are in there, like calling them pawns, for example, you may legitimately feel that there is a case to be made about you know people's complaints with the media and how it's run by big dollars and this whole rabbit hole that you could go into. You want to go down that route, Kyrie? Fine. But... That doesn't need to be in there in the middle of that press release where you're like, it's not going to be a distraction. It's about being professional and, and appreciating the art, you pawns. Like, <laughs> come on, man. That's, again, it's not helping your case. But who am I to tell Kyrie what to do, right? It's his bank account. It's his pocketbook. It's his career. It's his reputation. You sow your own seeds. You make your own bed. And sometimes you got to sleep in it. Yeah. That's what he's going to have to do right now, sleep in that bad boy. Uh, although I feel like we're not done hearing about Kyrie being um, discontent with the media or really anything uh, this year. And here's the sad truth of it, because we've seen this story play out many times over, and it's not always fair. But when you are uber talented, you can get away with this kind of behavior, and teams will continue to give you a chance even when you're the quote-unquote distraction because they want what you bring to the table. But as soon as that stops – whether it be by injury, and Kyrie has been dealing with injuries now for a couple years, or age or whatever, all of a sudden people stop putting up with that. And this goes back to like the James Harden conversation. Some of those bridges that you burn years ago, all of a sudden you need later on, or at least it would be helpful to have. And your career can be prolonged or shortened by the way you handle yourself in the league. Like, if you're not making friends, and again, I'm not saying that every single player has got to be this yes man, good soldier, that sort of thing. But you got to have that long game in the, the back of your mind. Unless Kyrie's end game here is, hey, I'm going to play a couple years with my bro, Kevin Durant, and then I'm done. And I'm walking away early like a Barry Sanders or somebody like that, which, again, is his prerogative. But, man, you're not making friends that you're going to need 
later on when some of the talent starts to erode a little bit. Oh, let, let's also just say this. Like, if you want to extend that career, like, I'm not saying it's about to happen and I'm not wishing anything on him, but I'm just saying this is also a dude that has not exactly been, um, uh, let's see, um, uh, it's not avoided injuries for the duration of his career. Uh, it is correct. It has not been a winner unless he's been with LeBron, which is fair or unfair, but is the truth at the moment. Yeah, he has been often injured uh, and oftentimes for long periods of time, including last season. Uh, and as you also say, the winner part that uh, Joel, you put that on him. You put that evil on him, brother. Well, I, I, we had a, a, a listener. Um, who was reaching out to me on the side about Kyrie and uh, his name is Randy Miller. And he was talking to me about how he thought it was ridiculous. And this was from weeks ago that some people out there were like, yeah, Kyrie Irving, they were making comparisons with Isaiah Thomas, who was like an all time great player. And yeah, Kyrie is one of the best ball handlers and best inside scorers I've ever seen. So incredibly talented. And yes, the dude has been to four finals and he's got a ring. No one can take that away from him. But we were talking about how ridiculous it is to make these Isaiah Thomas comparisons in the media when, to me, the way that Kyrie Irving's career has gone is much more in the line of Kenny Anderson, who I mentioned before, or Rod Strickland or Stefan Marbury, where, like, that dude was so talented, so talented, so talented. But, man, some of his teams didn't win a lot of games. And it always seemed like people were kind of ready to be done with him and they were happier when he wasn't on their team, like – that's part of the legacy that he's building right now. And that's, again, that's not entirely fair. His career's not done yet. And you build the legacy that you want. It's not for me to tell you what to do, but that's kind of where I see things. And I, I laugh when people are, you know, talking about him as this hall of famer and Isaiah Thomas and all that stuff. Like, man, you got a long ways to go. Right. Isaiah Thomas was a winner, right? He was, he was a winner. He was. I mean, people may not have found him to be the most fun, but he also won. And that's uh, super, super important uh, when you're talking about uh, players' legacies and and how teammates. They didn't ask. They asked Kevin Love about that quote and statement, but they hadn't asked him the question, which I want to hear from some of these former teammates, which is how much did you hate him? How much did you hate him when he was on the team? How much was he not fun to be around? How much was he just too extra that you just wanted to be over him and you just wanted to play ball? You just wanted to play ball and he couldn't just play ball. Well, no, I, I think Love did. He did say, you know, I, I still love Kyrie. He's like, I love him, man, but I know he's changed. He also said that in his quote. And now whatever that means is for Kevin Love to know, but saying something like that says a lot too. And there's been other, you know, former teammates, whether it's Kendrick Perkins or Raja Bell, some of those guys who played only a year with LeBron and Kyrie have talked recently about what that dynamic was like and that there may have been some jealousy and Kyrie was, you know, eager and willing to learn at first, but then was kind of sick of being in a shadow and wanted to go do his own thing. And we know he wanted to go do his own thing. He's on record as saying that's why he wanted to go to Boston and be that leader for a different team. And then he absolutely flamed out as a leader where you're going, did you learn anything? when you were there. So I think there's, there's a lot of guys who will kind of say things between the lines about, yeah, he's, he can be difficult at times, but I don't think anybody has come out and said, yeah, Kyrie Irving's just a bad dude. Like he's, he's just somebody you hate being around all the time. I, I haven't heard too many people come out and say that it's more just, again, 
Kyrie's his own man. He does his own thing. He marches, you know, to the beat of his own drum. Yeah, and but you know what that means. You know what that means. Like it, 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 means, it means what you as the audience want it to mean, honestly. Because when it comes from the player's mouth, like if they're not on record as saying, yeah, he was one of the most difficult teammates that that I played with, like you and I inserting words for them. That goes back to what Kyrie's pissed about, right? No, if that's I, not what the guy said, I can't, I can't say, well, I think Kyrie's super difficult. Therefore, that must be what his teammate meant. But we're yeah. allowed to read between the lines. And sometimes between the lines is just as important what the words are actually being sometimes said. Sometimes that's all you've got, right? I, and I, I agree with that. But I, I, would, I would caution, because we've seen this happen with guys before, right? Where a narrative starts to get built about how Somebody like, you know, going back to Meta World Peace. Oh, he's such a bad guy. Oh, he's such a bad guy. And, and the media, they read between the lines. And after a while, that's all they're reading, not what people actually said. And yet you, in in years later, people come out like, no, he was a great teammate. Like, yeah, he was a unique character, but he was a great teammate. We loved having him around. And you go, oh, that narrative that was there was because after a while, people only read between the lines because that was, was salacious and juicy, but that wasn't the actual truth of what players were saying. I have a feeling, this is my opinion personally, that uh, if the book gets written where we get to read all the words that Kyrie wants us to hear and the words that everyone else has to say about him, that those two will not be in the same sentence. Time will tell, right? Time, Time will, will tell. And, and we also have seen guys that were Again, I think of like Derek Coleman, um, who were really, really difficult early in their career. Rashid Wallace was another one, really difficult to get along with. And after a while, grew up, the light bulb went on. Rajon Rondo went through that period too. And all of a sudden, the light bulb went on. They go, you know what? For me to stay in the league, I've got to be a good teammate. The league will move on without me. Or maybe it was just natural, again, maturing. You get to a different place in your life. You got a different perspective, whatever. And all of a sudden, those guys who had been the quote-unquote head cases earlier in their career turned out to be really, really valuable on and off the court. There is still time for Kyrie. We're just in a period right now where, again, things that he has said, things that he has not said, things that other people have said and between the lines does not paint a great picture. Joel, are you in like a, uh, a like a DM back and forth with Kyrie Irving? Like, are you guys buddies? What's going on here? I've taken the Ernie Johnson approach, and I always <laughs> I always respect Ernie Johnson for this because you respect the game, you celebrate the game. At the same time, you're not out to attack anybody. You got to realize that people have their own reasons. Always, what they do. We are all the victims and the heroes in our own story. We always think that what we've done is justified for some reason or another. And Kyrie's got a perspective too. We, you know, sitting on the outside of that, we certainly cannot disagree with that, but he's doing what he's doing for a reason. And he hasn't just said, I'm doing this. He's tried to justify it. There is some thought behind what he's saying. So no, I'm not on a DM. And like I said, I don't think this is the right way to handle it. But I'm also not going to be one of these like fake talking heads who's like, oh, yeah, it's time to pile on this guy when, you know, everybody like everybody's human. He's got his reasons for what he's doing. I don't and, like the implication, Joel, that I'm being a fake talking head, bro. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, I'm not being a talk. Listen, I genuinely dislike Kyrie Irving. Fair genuinely. Enough. Fair enough. And, and that, that's absolutely your prerogative. Right. And you would have 
ample reason and yes, ample justification I only give, to do so. I only feel that way because he gives me everything to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have that feeling about Kevin Love, for example. Kevin Love hasn't given me anything to hate him about. Uh, I don't have that I, feeling about Kevin Durant either, right? And Durant hasn't always been like, you know, he's been prickly at times, but he yeah. doesn't, most of the time, hasn't seemed like he's going out of his way to be difficult. Except for the, you know, the burner accounts on Twitter. So there, Right. There's, there's <laughs> been moments, but he, he's also like sat down and walked through exactly a lot, you know, this could turn into a two hour show going into all that. But like Irving is not doing himself any favors. He's got to understand that there's a lot of players, including very outspoken ones like Damian Lillard, who have come out and said, dude, this is not going to help you. Like if you're taking a stand on the way that media handles itself and yeah, there's a lot of bad habits out there. Absolutely. Um, if you're taking a stand on your right to decide when you want to talk or not. Yeah, you can do that. But dude, you, the way you're handling it and the, that stuff that you're throwing in there, it is going to backfire on you. There's a lot of people with a lot of wisdom who are trying to tell him that right now. He's he's going to figure it out for himself. Sometimes sometimes yeah. you figure it out the hard way, right? Yeah. Uh, Damian Lillard, I think, said, uh, do your media sessions, bro. <laughs> like, I think he was asked about it, and he said, just do your media sessions. Yeah, and Charles Barkley, who's not, again, is not always the most objective person when it comes to this stuff, but did make the quote, you know, I'm legitimately worried about Kyrie. Like who is in his ear telling him that this is a good idea. And the answer might be maybe no one's in his ear. That's right. right? It could, it it could be that much of his own man that like no one's able to get through to him right now. Uh, Or he, he only listens to a certain number of people. You know what I mean? But again, I mean, it's, he's a grown man. He'll make those decisions. He's got the cash to back it up for right now. And you make your your bed, but that that layer of you're not helping you're you're not actually helping your team or your teammates by doing this, and you are reinforcing that bad reputation that it seems like you don't want to have, but you're reinforcing that bad reputation as me first by actually doing this, like win the war, not the battle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good way to end the Greg Oster tag episode. Joel Cordes, thank you for your time, man. Another good pod. Thanks, brother. Been fun. Thank you, Brawl Network, and uh, episode 40 coming up next time. All right, episode 40. That Well, that's the next one. We'll tell you about it when it's time to tell you about it. Joel, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, y'all. All right, about, uh, I'll text you in about two hours. I'll have this up if you want to. Um, actually, less than that. It'll be about an hour. I'll have this up so you can... Um, if you want Perfect. to put the write-up for it. Yep, I will. I'll wait until then. And uh, <laughs> we, we did not quite hit 45 minutes. We'll keep working on that. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We, we yeah. listen. I, I go where the conversation goes. If it's interesting, we get to keep talking about it. Right. Yeah. I have no, an I, jury I, number. Yeah. It's not like, uh, Kyrie's such a, oh, it's 45 minutes. We're done. <laughs> and uh, all right. So next week we'll do 4.30 start time. Yes. And then a mm, couple weeks after that is when we'll start the short midweek shows. Yes. Yes. All right. Sounds good, my friend. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.